Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Yeah, you know how we do this. It is Columbus Day. Happy Columbus Day. If you celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. But uh, what a great day to celebrate one of the founding figures in history, such an important figure in history. And for Italian-Americans, I was on early this morning on Joe Piscopo's show. This is an important holiday, one to be celebrated. I, apparently, was officially given dispensation to be an Italian for the day. My name is Salomini today, according to my good friend Joe Piscopo. But so much to celebrate about America, those who discovered it, those who built it, those who sustain it today. And a warning sign for those who want to destroy what we have in America. They want to take away our liberty, create big government socialism and erase free market capitalism from the record of America. Americans are fighting back, whether it's pilots opposing the vaccine mandate, parents opposing CRT, National Guardsmen and local police guarding the border where Joe Biden's administration won't protect the border. America is fighting back in ways I haven't seen in my lifetime. This is an epic moment in history where the grassroots of America, the everyday liberty lovers in America are not going to let big government socialists try to take over such an important thing. And that includes trying to cancel the great holiday that is Columbus Day. There was a crazy episode in Philadelphia where the mayor there put plywood around the Columbus statue there to try to thwart the Italian-American community from celebrating. They lost a court ruling, though they didn't get the plywood down in time, but that's how far we've gone. We want to put plywood around history and avoid a judge's order or not pay attention or not act quickly enough to a judge's order because... One side wants to have dictates for the rest of America. And it's a narrow slice. It's a 10, 20% slice of America that's in trying to impose its will on the 80, 90% elsewhere. And the moment the fulcrum has tipped is clear. The, the, the seesaw has tipped back towards liberty. The backlash to what's going on in America is growing. Now, a couple of fun stories for you to point out. First off, across the United States in federal elections, non-citizens, foreign citizens, cannot vote in an American election, even if they're living here. That thanks to a 1996 law that was passed during Bill Clinton's time as president and with Newt Gingrich in charge of the House. But around the country, there are 
three states where communities already have authorized non-citizen voting and three more that are talking about moving towards that. We have that whole story. Just think about that. You could be a foreign citizen able to influence U.S. election by voting. I'm pretty sure our founding fathers didn't intend that. I know Congress didn't intend that because that's why they passed the law in 1996. But Vermont, California, Illinois, Maryland, New York, all having conversations, some already in the process. I think there are nine communities in Maryland that already allow non-citizen voting, meaning foreign citizens, people who are not citizens of this country, can vote in this country's election, at least at the local level. That's an important story. And then my good friend, Greg Piper, has an important story today about Oregon state lawmakers asking the U.S. attorney in Oregon to open a federal grand jury criminal investigation of manipulation of COVID data. Their complaint, their letter is extraordinary. It is breathtaking. It really calls out public health issues from trying to run up the COVID death count with deaths that should not have been counted and cases that should not have been counted. It has plain old fashioned data and facts, not spin, not conjecture. It lays it out and they've asked the U.S. Attorney in Oregon to open a criminal investigation. That's an important development. You can read both at the top of justthenews.com right now. All right, today we've got our good friend, Peter Navarro, somebody I got to know during the Trump administration. He has a brand new book out, In Trump Time, My Journal of America's Play Gear. He really spills all the secrets, corrects the record, gives you the facts to push back against what is being talked about in the media the last year, whether it's about the election, about COVID-19, about China. Peter Navarro was a firsthand eyewitness. He kept a daily journal memorializing what happened in real time, and he got government documents to back him up. His book actually is on sale now. It becomes public in November. Uh, We're going to have him here for the whole show right after this commercial break. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as uh, promised, a very special guest. He doesn't need any introduction, but we're going to give him one anyways. He's the former economic advisor to President Trump, one of the stars of the uh, War Room pandemic, uh, pandemic, pandemic War Room, uh, Steve Bannon's great show, and the author of a brand new book, In Trump Time, 
A Journal of America's Plague. You have to get this book. Joining us right now is none other than Peter Navarro. Peter, welcome back to the show. Solomon, the, the man who makes Washington quake. <laughs> and John Solomon is on the case. They run and hide like cockroaches when the lights go off on at night in the kitchen, right? <laughs> that explains the reaction I get at Christmas parties. It just it never dawned on me until today. <laughs> no, you, you, you strike, I got to hand it to you, John. You strike fear in the hearts of these people because well. you're careful. Well, yeah, you, what you we want to do, do is strike truth. Anonymous bullshit. Yeah, there's so yeah. much bad reporting out there. You saw it the whole time you were in the uh, Trump administration. And this book does such a great job of setting the record straight, really describing what happened in the pandemic, what the media got wrong, what Fauci got wrong. I just want to, you know, what, what inspired you to step back and kind of take this big picture look? Well, let me just say one thing about exposing the media. It's like, because one of the things that's going on here is you've got all these left-wing propagandists yeah. getting getting their bestsellers out with the backing of CNN and MSNBC and a lot of the Sunday talk shows. It's, right. it's Woodward, it's Rucker, it's Wolf. And in, in the um, very, uh, in chapter two of In Trump Time, right. I will take down Wood, Woodward once and for all because... He spins a, 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 his rendition of what happened in the Situation Room on January 28th, uh, and, and he was not there. I, t I tell the story of how I was there, and it's, it's a 180-degree version different from Bob Woodward. He's a propagandist, um, and, and he's a liar. Uh, oh, so, so what did oh, happen? Why did I? Why, why it's sitting out there? Let's, let's get that one. Okay, let's go there. It's like, uh, let, me, let me segue into that, but let me tell you why I wrote the book. Please. I mean, I, but going back to when I, when I first came into the administration in 2017, I, I'm surprisingly, I think, uh, one of only three senior White House officials who was with the president all the way from the campaign uh, to the end, but but what I did when I got when I first got there was I started keeping a daily journal. Wow! So how powerful is that? Is based, yeah, this book is based not on kind of like vague recollection. It's it's based on what I wrote down and what 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 I documented, and I did it at the time because I knew that I would be part uh, both the, as a participant and as an observer of one of the most important parts of presidential and economic history in, in the history of our republic. Um, but I also wanted to hold people accountable because I could see even after the election as, as there were uh, grifters coming in to the Trump administration, worming their way into positions of power, that we would have to hold people accountable and the the in Trump time book uh, is the subtitle I think is important. It's a journal of America's plague year, a little homage to Daniel Defoe, for right? His, uh, great work. Uh, but um, basically, what I want people to understand is is what it, it's, it's it's essentially a three act play in some sense, um, tragedy, some comedy. But you know, the beginning is is how how Fauci and the pandemic and the Chinese Communist Party kind of took what was a, a certain outcome uh, re-election for the president 
and turned it into something that the Democrats could steal. And then the middle of the book talks a lot about the Chinese Communist Party's role in uh, in the in the whole affair. And then when we get to the end, uh, we have to deal with what happened on May third. Uh, excuse me, on November third, on uh, January sixth. Um, and and ultimately uh, what happened in that Wuhan lab. So the, so my mission in this book is to set the record straight. And in the epilogue, I, I kind of lay out the uh, what I what I would argue would be the kinds of steps we need to take to get our economy right, to get our national security right, to get our elections right. So this is a this is a statement book. It's a, it's a book. John, it's a book of indictments. Fauci, Pence, Chinese Communist Party. It's a book of revelations because I think it will really. There's a big reveal on January 6th. I can't. If I told you what it was, my publisher would literally kill me. <laughs> but 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 you will see kind of what the story behind the story of Mike Pence and his betrayal, and you'll 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 come away from reading in Trump time. Uh, with a completely uh, new look at, at what actually happened that day. It, it's amazing because it, the media has defined it one way, and so many facts have come out to undercut that definition, undercut that, and yet there's been no real correction, no real reevaluation of the initial report. And as people say, reporting is often the first record of history and it's flawed, right? And I think the I can't wait to see what's in your book about it because I think there are major revelations that change the narrative forever. We're already beginning to see those. Let me say one thing though about because I want to give you a compliment and and it, based on that observation. Right now, John, there's a there's a huge gap between the spin and the narrative of the mainstream media uh, about things like uh, where the where the virus came from, about things like who won the election, versus what our pub public opinion polls say. Yeah, right? great Over point. half of people think the election was stolen. Virtually everyone in America is is moving towards the the reality that this thing came from a lab, right? So the, the question becomes: is how do how do Americans come to those conclusions when they're being fed a pack of lies by the mainstream media. And I point out, I, I describe the big six. Let me see if I can remember them all. Um, uh, the big six in, in kind of the alternative media, the ones who do their homework, and it's it's John Solomon at Just the News, it's it's Bannon's War Room, it's right. Raheem Kassam, National Pulse, it's sure. the Hawk Brothers, at Gateway Pundit, it's Darren Beatty at Revolver News, it's Jack Posobiec at Human Events. Um, and what, what, what you're doing, what, what they're doing, is basically doing an end run around a corporate media, which is still largely dependent on the, the cable subscribers. You're, we're, you're cutting the cable, we're reaching people directly, through Rumble, Gat, whatever, tell whatever. Yeah, Real America's and, Voice, all um, of them. And yeah. podcasts like this, right? Asymmetric uh, uh, communications, right? Where it's 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 not in necessarily live. People can go consume it when they want. And I would just say kudos to you uh, and the other five outlets because you guys are are really leading the charge for truth based on good reporting and fact uh, against what 
you know, one of the, I say it's a book of indictments. One of the big indictments is Zucker at CNN. Oh, I mean, man. He's, he's taken the Ted Turner network, which was really just dedicated towards reporting right. global news and turned it into a pale shadow of, of a Roger Ailes Fox uh, that serves um, the Democratic Party. And one of the points I make in, in Trump Time book is like, look, I get it. I'm, I'm a big boy, right? I understand politics is brass knuckles. I understand that the, the propaganda wars, you know, that's like the normal course of business. But this is not normal. This is when people's lives are at stake. You don't do that. And Zucker, Zucker did it. And there's blood on his hands. There's blood on the New York Times hands. There's blood on Fauci's hands. There's blood on so many people's hands because they put politics above people's lives. Yeah. Listen, the bad reporting has consequences, and we see it almost every day, whether it's the Hunter Biden laptop being uh, suppressed or, you know, the Chinese origins of the, uh, or the lab origins of the Chinese virus. Um, these uh, mistruths actually have consequences in the public policy space. And that's why I think news media need to step back and just evaluate their last five years. They've had more wrong than they've had right. And that's probably the first time in my lifetime that that's happened. Very concerning. When you look at what's happening today <coughs> with Joe Biden during the campaign, Joe Biden was all about China's not that bad. Donald Trump's inflamed them. Oh, my God, we're going to get a whole new relationship. And then Joe Biden comes in. He basically sustains the entire policy agenda that you built with the president. Um, how does the Democrats get away with that? Selling one thing to the American people last year and now basically embracing the Trump doctrine for China. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm I'm heartened by the fact that they haven't yet gotten rid of the uh, the China tariffs. Right. That's a good thing. Um, but the thing that that's frightening uh, about Joe Biden is is the whole war through weakness yeah. versus the Reagan Trump doctrine of, of peace peace through strength through yeah. strength. Yeah. The the other thing, and and um, I'm not uh, sure how much reporting you've done on this, but I know. For example, Natalie Winters has done a lot um, on on the the key people in top positions right. in the Biden administration who are compromised financially through these money pots that the Chinese hand out like candy. Sure. Um, oh, no, no, obviously, Hunter Biden was case study number one, wasn't he? <laughs> case, yes, <laughs> case study, and and you you were. You were a key part of breaking that news, uh, John. And, it, yeah, that was like, again, I think when history looks back at this, I think they'll look at that Hunter Laptop Biden story that was never told by the mainstream media as as a turning point in the integrity of the fourth estate. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the final, final blow. I think you're right. Blow, the, 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 I mean, because, um, I mean, at the end of the day, Biden wasn't properly vetted. They wanted Trump out. That's what they did. And um, there it is. But I think that um, you know, a big part of the In Trump Time book has to do um, with what happened on November 3rd. And I think it's really, um, as people talk about whether Trump's going to run in 2024 
where they talk about changing the rules so that we have a fair 2022 election. I think that's premature, both of those things. I think what we really need are full forensic audits around this country. We need to get to the bottom of what happened. And if you look at what what we know already from Arizona, which was the cleanest of the six battleground states, the election was stolen. They found over 50,000 ghost voters in Arizona. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, you know, Bannon's war room. It, it was the state senate of Arizona that came to that conclusion. And if you do the math, okay, let's do the math real quick, John. 11,000 vote victory margin in Arizona right. alleged for Biden. Over 50,000 ghost voters, that's voters who voted but weren't at the addresses they were supposed to be at, clearly illegal votes. And then Biden in the absentee ballot category was running anywhere from two to three to one. So these these illegal ballots weren't split 50-50. They went overwhelmingly for Biden. That alone, those 50,000 ghost voters in Maricopa County alone, were enough to sway the election to Trump. Never mind all the illegal alien voters, never mind Pima County, never mind Cochise County, never mind all the other categories of fraud. That alone shows that Arizona should be decertified today. And relative to uh, the cesspool of Georgia, uh, Arizona looks like it's wearing a white wedding dress. <laughs> yes, it's true. I mean, it, 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 people have to do the math too. It's a ten thousand split or ten thousand vote difference between Biden and Trump at the end of November, and you've got now fifty thousand plus ballots that are in uh, bluer areas that are in significant um, uh, question. And I think that that's one of the big things. I mean, you go to Wisconsin. I, I just happened to be out in Wisconsin last week doing some reporting on there integrity investigation and you've got 200,000 ballots that the Wisconsin Supreme Court says may have been cast yes. unlawfully 200,000 yes. in a state that was separated by 10 or 12,000 votes now you go to Georgia right and you've got uh in the uh, uh 29 pages of documented guaranteed problems with uh, Fulton County so much so bad that the state's now about to take the county over and you move one over one county over to DeKalb County the most democratic yeah. county in the state 83% vote total for Joe Biden uh, there are 46,000 documents uh, 46,000 ballots that were placed into uh, drop boxes that weren't not only not properly documented yeah. but may not be properly handled which could disqualify them how does the media ignore all that? They keep giving the same story that uh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's still a conspiracy theory. How do they ignore those things? Because they can. There's a great scene in, in Trump time where it's Thanksgiving Day 2020. Um, I, um, I had been waiting after November 3rd, kind of going about my business in the White House and trying to get some executive orders to the finish line before we were uh, we were going to uh, leave the White House, right? And I, you know, I'm watching uh, the Trump campaign, you know, Kushner and Stepien and and Clark, um, waiting for them to take action, and and they never did. So it was like, okay, time for me to kind of put my Harvard researcher big boy pants on. So I go in Thanksgiving Day to my office, my staff had assembled uh, like literally the thousands of affidavits right. that had been signed. 
I got all the court case documents, all the articles, right? It's like you know, Thanksgiving Day, you know, no no football, no turkey, no problem. Just sit down there. And I, I think, I'm sure you will appreciate this because of what you do as an investigative reporter. My epiphany as I did the work, which would eventually become what we called the Navarro Reports, was that there was no silver bullet, right? There was no single explanation of how the Democrats stole the election. Rather, it was death by a thousand election irregularities. And I, I document the, the scope of that as well as this grand stuff-the-ballot-box strategy of the Democrats, which is designed, John, and you know this, to stuff the ballot box, like that's the obvious, oh, duh thing, right? right. Stuff the yep, ballot yep. box, a lot of illegal ballots. But the really clever thing they did was to take the election cops off the beat. So, for example, in Georgia, they eliminated signature match with that uh, illegal consent decree that the Rhino Republican signed with Stacey Abrams. And um, so my point is simply that the last chapter of the book, Chapter 21, um, lays out in, in gory detail uh, the case beyond any shadow of any reasonable doubt that this election um, needs full forensic audits. We need to get to the bottom uh, of what has transpired or we're not going to have a republic. Yeah, the stakes really are that large. I mean, I think, and people are beginning, and I was out in Wisconsin, and people are beginning to see the stakes that the America we've been in for 246 years is not the America Joe Biden and Democrats uh, plan to, to remake. They, they want it to be entirely different. And people are waking up to that, and they're seeing this constant cancel culture, this constant misinformation, this constant big brother reaching in and dictating every, every aspect of um, uh, our lives and uh, and disregarding the basic protections of liberty in the Constitution. Uh, is the 2022 election really about the America we're going to live in in the next uh, 100 years? Well, there's, there's no question. Uh, but again, I think that talking about whether President Trump's going to run in 2024, even right. talking about the idea that, oh, we got to change the rules so 2022 can't be stolen. I think at this point in time, that kind of narrative, that kind of rhetoric is wrong. What we really need to focus on and demand is what happened on November 3rd. We have enough evidence now to indicate that this election was stolen. If the Democrats believe it was a fair election, they should be the first to let us count those 84 million ballots that Biden allegedly got. And remember, it's not the, it's not the count itself, right? In Arizona... They did a recount. It came up to about the same amount each time. Yeah, it's but about what ballots irrelevant. should have been ca counted or not. That's correct. It's yeah. about the legal ballots that are inside yeah. the overall count. That's it's right. The canvas, not the count. The canvas, not the count. And I'm a, I'm a student of history, and um, these ghost voters in Arizona, the 50,000 ghost voters that were discovered, it was ghost voters, John, and I'm sure you know this, that Kennedy used to steal the election from Nixon. Um, in Chicago in 1960. It's like uh, this one reporter, he probably was like your, your intellectual forebearer. I forget his <laughs> name, but I identify him in the book, right? He, he did the dog work. He went out there like you do, John, and he went to all the empty lots in Chicago where there were supposed to be 100 people registered, and it was like, ain't nobody there, ghost voters. Ke Kennedy did not win. Wow. Biden did not win. 
Well, we're gonna we're gonna get a lot more results. I think Wisconsin becomes the most important of the audits now because there they have more authority, right? They've got com- compulsory authority with subpoenas, and they've got yeah. a former chief justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So a guy who's got stature, and also a guy who previously uh, uncovered the John Doe investigations, how Democrats used a John Doe grand jury investigation to try to thwart Scott Walker's political ambitions, uh, politicalization of law enforcement, like we saw with Trump and, and Eric Greitens and others all around the country. Uh, that's, I think, going to be the key thing. I, I want to switch you back to China for a second. I hadn't had a chance to ask you about this, but last week, a, a pretty well-respected uh, Australian-U.S. cybersecurity firm known as Internet 2.0 uh, said that they found evidence of a significant purchase by China of PCR testing equipment in May through July of 2019. So about four or five months before the pandemic officially is reported to have started the first cases. And these occur, uh, these uh, purchases occurred in Wuhan. What's your reaction to that? Were you aware of that before you left the administration? What do you make of this you know, uh, pretty significant revelation that has not, by the way, been challenged by anyone? Uh, that's a great question, John. Uh, I was not aware uh, of, of that by the time I left the administration. My uh, read of the chessboard at the time in the fog of war uh, was that at a minimum, uh, the Chinese knew uh, that they had a possible pandemic on their hands as early as October or November, uh, that they hid that virus from the world. And in the interim time book, I lay all this out kind of in a timeline. Um, and and through what I describe as their five heinous acts, they allowed that um, that virus to be uh, seeded and spreaded mm. Milan, Tehran, New York, and basically they turned what could have been a contained outbreak into a pandemic. Now, what I think one of the big big important parts of the book is is the role of Fauci in that because um, I sure wish I knew then what I knew now because Fauci would be in jail instead of continuing in a role as a public servant. I use the term lightly. There's a there's my first showdown with him of many in the Situation Room on January 28th, and it's the day that I fight him um, successfully. Uh, the boss wanted me to uh, get support of the task force on the China travel ban. Fauci was dead set against it. Another bad decision of his that would kill people if he got his way. Um, but what's interesting about that date is that he also received an email on that same date from a researcher at Scripps Institute who basically told him that, hey, this is probably genetically engineered. Now, if you're Tony Fauci and you get an email it says that, that that virus likely was genetically engineered, and you know that the virus originated 100 yards from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Tony Fauci at that point would know beyond any shadow of a doubt that he likely caused the pandemic. Why do I say that? It's because it was Fauci who doled out the money to the Wuhan lab to do this dangerous gain-of-function experimentations that likely created it. So my point here. John, is that what Fauci did at that point was the most dishonorable thing any American has ever done. Rather than come clean with President Trump and the American people and the task force and say, hey, 
Um, I'm concerned this might be from that Wuhan lab, that it might be genetically engineered, that it might have the qualities of weapon. He did exactly the opposite. He covered up his role and he pushed the, the nature theory of the virus through cutouts like Peter Daszak, who's written about, right, sure. and Ralph Barrick at the University of Carolina, North Carolina, Chapel Hill. So in Trump time, Book of Indictments and, and Fauci is really at the top of, uh, of my list of people who literally should be indicted for any number of crimes. And it's also a book of revelations because it, it will flush out exactly what happened in the Wuhan lab. You know, we, we spent tens of billions of dollars preparing for a pandemic. Uh, we've had Fauci in office for 40 plus years, despite tens and 20, 10 and 20 years of evidence that he had ethical issues long before this. I wrote a series of stories with the AP back in the early 2000s that nearly got him canned back then, but he survives. Um, you're forced to go ramp up PPP, uh, uh, protective gear uh, manufacturing. You do, the, do this all on your own because the Obama administration left the cupboards bare after the last pandemic concerns. Um, when do we break this system and rebuild it? When do we acknowledge that the public health system that we relied on for this was so flawed it made the situation worse, not better? Is that moment coming or, or is it being kicked down the can? Is the can being kicked down the road? Ah, uh, it's being kicked down down the road. Here's here's what I fear that that uh, there's too many people inside the bureaucracy who hate Donald Trump more yeah. than they care about saving lives, and so the cover up continues. They they they, they continued to protect Fauci even as Francis Collins, his, his accomplice in crime, has resigned in disgrace. Uh, they continue to deny the, the lab origins of the virus, um, and they they trying to blame everything now on um, mutations of the virus. You look at Jen Psaki, oh, our economic problems are because of the Delta variant, and, <laughs> and we didn't anticipate it. It's like, wait a minute, dude. Do that, I guess you would say with her. It's like, I, I, in the In Trump Time book, I talk about these... Uh, February memos are right. Um, February 2020, at the dawn of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, one of them, well, basically, very historical document because it, it basically helped um, move up what became Operation Warp Speed um, into high gear. And I, I said very clearly in these series of memos that, look, it's like we're going to try really hard to get a vaccine. We're going to try to get it in Trump time, which is to say as quickly as possible. Right. But we know going out that this vaccine um, is likely to be imperfect. Um, there, you know, there's going to be mutations. That's what viruses do. Yep. It's a natural And that's why we need to have uh, an, an even more aggressive complementary strategy of um, therapeutics monoclonal antibodies, remdesivir, hydroxychloroquine. And that's not what we did. The Trump administration fought hard to do that, but the the, uh, healthcare bureaucracy, Fauci, mainstream media, basically uh, were again on the other side of of much of that. Now we have a universal vax strategy where where uh, instead of providing the vaccine to the most vulnerable, we want to give it to six-year-olds. 
and um, possibly um, give them heart problems for the rest of their life. I mean, it's an insane strategy. It, it really, it's remarkable. And we're just seeing now, I guess Merck asked uh, today for permission for a pill that looks a lot like some of the earlier treatments that um, had been a, a, a bit, uh, out there and, and Fauci and his team kind of poo-pooed constantly. But we finally have a potential therapeutic, that's a pill that might that might work, but that's 18 months Except into this crisis. Except for two things, John. Let, yep. let, let's note two things here. Please. Hydroxychloroquine is 12 bucks. It, it, we know now, and I show this as a whole chapter, and in Trump time devoted this. It, it's it's twelve bucks. Right. This new drug, they're they're warning that that it can have serious side effects. Yeah. So it's not only. Uh, and it's going to be a lot more expensive than twelve bucks. I have a funny feeling. Expensive, expensive, and dangerous versus hydroxy. I mean, let's think about. It. I mean, I thought, uh, gee, John, it's like I had sixty-four million tablets of hydroxychloroquine at my disposal. Could have oh. helped four million Americans. And based on the data that we have now in terms of the reduction in mortality rate that hydroxychloroquine achieves, there would be literally 20 to 30,000 people alive today, if not for Tony Fauci and Stephen Hahn at the FDA and Janet Woodcock stepping all over what is a, a safe drug. That, that drug, I mean, over 600,000 people have died, John. Mm. You know, how many people have died from hydroxychloroquine during that time? Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's an extraordinary... Because remember, the, the lupus patients use it every day of yeah. their lives. Rheumatoid arthritis, you go to a malaria zone, yeah. that's your go-to people drug. With, uh, people people with, are um, dying from that. They're nope. dying from, from, uh, from Tony Fauci's manufactured pandemic with the Chinese Communist Party. It is. Uh, it's crazy, folks. This book comes out in November. You can pre-order it now on my Twitter feed at uh, Jay Solomon Reports. We've got a link. I'm putting it out again today. Go check it out. Click on it. It's a very simple link. Pre-order this book. Put it at the top of Amazon. Put it atop the New York Times bestseller because it is an amazing book. It is going to be the epic recount of what really happened, not what the media told us happened, but really what really happened during. Uh, the year, the first year of the pandemic. Peter, I want to go back to where we started. I want to see if we can crack a little news out of you. I know people don't like to give up scoots early, but tell us something about <laughs> about uh, the Woodward conversation, because you're an eyewitness. Bob Woodward has to get it from anonymous sources, and we now know that one of them was General Milley because he's fessed up and he, he has all sorts of problems. But what happened in that room that you are certain happened that's been misreported? Let me uh, let me like set the stage here. So I go in, I go into the room, and my mission from the president is to get the travel ban secure. Okay, uh, on China, meaning no more flights to the U.S. from China. Right. So I'm in the room. I got Mulvaney, the, the chief of staff, is acting uh, also as the um, host of the meeting. Right. I got Pompeo's second in command on my left shoulder. I got Redfield across from me. I got Azar, uh, Secretary of Health and Human right. Services, across me. And there's this this little guy with round glasses. Didn't know him. Didn't know he was a saint. Didn't know he walked on water. Right, uh, sitting across from me. Right, and two minutes into this meeting, not knowing who he was, I'm in like this shouting match with a guy. Uh, and he's insisting that travel bans don't work over and over and over again. My experience, travel bans don't work. You know, the Brooklyn accent. And I'm thinking to myself, like Butch the Sundance, who is this guy? And um, I'm also thinking, 
that this guy, I'm thinking two things, that this guy thinks he's smarter than he is and that this guy is going to hurt the president and the country. And so um, the meeting ends in chaos because <laughs> Mulvaney is trying to assert that we have compromise uh, or a consensus on the issue that, yeah, that we're not going to do the travel ban. It's like, right. no, 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 Mick. There's no consensus in this friggin' room. And I go back after that and I wrote write a memo um, that has become already a historical document which describes the dire consequences if we don't act. You know, trillions of dollars in damages, millions of lives lost. Boy, was that memo accurate. And so you come out of that room clearly with Fauci, Azar, Mulvaney uh, opposed to the travel ban. Right. Right? That was their position. And what Woodward does in one of his works is describe them as, as the people who persuaded the president to do the travel ban. Wow. So, I mean, How about that? It is what it is. And your and, your and memo, no the uh, the memo that's preserved for history. How do people read that? Because I'm sure people would love to read that memo because it captures in real time, not the spin that's made a year later, but what you knew the day of when when this meeting occurred. How can we see that memo? Uh, that memo's already been reported on. Yeah, um, I so, remember that. Um, I'll, I'll I'll get you a copy. Send it over, and we'll put it up on Just the News so people can see exactly what happened. All right, my man. That'll be good. All right, Peter, great uh, job with this book. I'm so excited. I'm first in line to get it. I can't wait for it to come out. We'll we'll have you back on when the book actually launches so we can get into more substance. Any parting thoughts about the next couple of weeks? You've got the Virginia election. You've got the border. Now we're talking 20, 30, 40,000 more people might be coming. Uh, COVID's bouncing up and down around the country. What are the key uh, barometers we should be watching about where America's head is right now? Well, I'm watching the Virginia election with great, uh, great, great interest. Yeah. Uh, Terry McAuliffe is, uh, that guy is a criminal. Uh, he was part of the Clinton mafia that uh, was part of the Russia hoax. Uh, he's just a bad, bad guy. And I was, because <laughs> I'm in the, the local TV market here, I, I was like astonished. I saw a, a McAuliffe ad. Uh, but basically was chastising his opponent, Youngkin, for opposing masks for kids in school. Yeah. And I'm thinking, boy, that's the most monumental misread of the anger of American mothers ever. Boy, he's had a bad <laughs> couple of weeks. He stuck his foot several uh, times in his mouth, no, no. too. Uh, no, no. So, I mean, look, um, I, I'm, I'm going to watch that election uh, with great interest. But but in the meantime, um, let's redo this when the book comes out. I would love and, it. Uh, we'll see where we're at. It is great, folks. The book is In Trump Time. Uh, don't miss it. Get it on Amazon now. I have a special link I'll put up on Twitter again today and tomorrow and the next day. Uh, let's get the Peter to the top of the sales list. This is a must-read book. Everything you read in the media is going to get turned on its head when you read Peter's first-hand account. Can't wait to have it. Peter, thank you so much for spending so much time with us. Fascinating uh, conversation. All right. You keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. It's the only thing I know how to do. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Good to, good to have you on. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we're done, we'll wrap things up for the day. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. 
Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, America, hey, go check out my Twitter feed. If you liked what Peter Navarro talked about, you want to get early in line to get a copy of his great book, Trump Time, my Journal of America's Plague Year, there is a special link that Just the News uh, users can use to grab his book and get in line, get it early. So you're one of the first ones to get it off the press when it hits the market in November. He gave us some big, big scooplets today about what's in it, the Woodward antidote being one of them, really important to examine that and know what's going on. Very important stuff. Can't wait to have him back on when we can talk more freely about the book. Again, if you want to get a copy of the book early, I got a link on my Twitter feed, Jay Solomon Reports at Twitter or at Getter or at Facebook or at all of the social media feeds where we go. Cloud Hub, one of my favorite platforms. If you haven't tried Cloud Hub, check them out. They're great. C-L-U-T-H-U-B.com. Cloud Hub, one, really a great social media app, much better than Facebook, I think, in terms of functionality. On all of those platforms, I'm Jay Solomon Reports, and I've put up a link to buy Peter Navarro's book early. Do it. You will not believe the facts that are in this. He also is going to be sending us a document we talked about from the meeting that Woodward described. You should buckle your seatbelt and check it out. We'll have it up on Justin News in the next 24 hours. All right, folks, that wraps it up. Happy Columbus Day. God bless you. God bless this extraordinary country of the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News.